0: Where we at? Where we at? I need a combo shake. I'm getting hungry, man. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 69 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Big shouts to everyone listening to Combo's Court across the globe. Combo Nation. We won't stop. We can't stop. We are out here. Today's show, the one, the only the Bone Collector joins in. That's right, the Bone Collector is here for episode 69. A great conversation. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You could follow the Bone Collector on Instagram at BoneCollector6. That's B O N E C O L L E C T O R 6. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 12Combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Right on your Apple Podcast app. Shouts to everyone listening on Spotify as well. We see you. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track.
1: Collected man. Welcome to Combo. How are you feeling? Feeling great, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. Uh, we bumped into each other at the Overtime event. It was crazy, crazy venue. The kids were jumping all over the place. How did you feel about that event, man? How was it for you?
2: That event, probably, for the, the start of the year, it was probably one of the best events I had so far. Um, it was a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, players that I would, you know, you can only dream about playing with and against and having those conversations with White Chocolate. Uh, better known as Jason Williams, and Nate Robinson was a experience you can't you can't put into words. So, I mean, the event was crazy. I mean, the young talent, the up and coming kids that are getting ready to go to college, and it was a great event. Do you feel like the kids are a little more athletic now than when, like, we were growing up? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I my era is '96, the Vince Carter era. but wasn't nothing more athletic than those guys, McGrady, uh, Iverson. Um, Steve Francis, that was those were the guys in high school when
1: I was playing. Right, right. Look, man, I know you born in Texas, grew up in Cali, and then moved to New York, uh, where I grew up, and then that's when I got familiar with you. Um, can you tell us how it was just in New York, like the mentality you brought going from tournament to tournament? I know myself, like some of my best basketball <laughs> memories are you know playing in these tournaments like Rucker or Dykeman Like, how was it for you, and what was your mindset and approach towards it?
2: Um, well, you know. Those tournaments, I mean, you have to, like, you know, most of the time when you talk about streetball, you see it on a, a bigger scale like and one or something that was televised. and uh, Even Rucker was televised, but those games that you had to really earn your name weren't televised, and those were the ones that, you know, propelled you into, you know, your legacy, so to speak. So, I mean, the mental approach for that for me was, it was different. I had to get prepared for war every day because I, every night I would have to play against a guard that was either going to the NBA or coming from the NBA. So one night it would be Iverson, and the next night it'll be Jamal Tinsley, and the next night it'll be for Austin, and the next night it'll be Rest in Peace Ali Mo. Right. And then the next night, so each night was a different challenge. It was it was just a, a experience that I guess it it groomed me to you know do what I do today, and it was something I can't put into words. It's almost like when you watch the the, the playoffs, and, and when it gets down to the finals, they ha- everybody's going all out. It was that every day, so
1: that was that was my experience, and um, I, I picked up a lot from that. Right, you know, you mentioned Ray I actually had him on my podcast, so I'll, I'll kind of ask you the same question that I asked him. Um, like when you were growing up, what separated your handle? From, from the others? Was it drills? Was it working on your game? Was it dribbling your basketball everywhere? Can, can you speak to how you got your handle to an elite level? For me, it was just taking my basketball everywhere.
2: I, I played basketball, like, you know, when school was out, when I was a kid going to junior high. When school was out, we're, we're in the middle of the, you know, in the driveway, we're working on how how can we beat a double team with no basket there? We just need to get through the driveway. Right right or when we going home from school we would do things like if you can catch this ball one time then i owe you something and back then it was like pogs and slammers nobody wanted to give up their, their right. toys so you can't let him pick the ball so that's that's already a mental approach that you know kept me prepared for dribbling the ball but then once i got you know good at dribbling it i started to my creativity changed a little bit cuz i started to try to invent different moves and so on and so forth so i would say for the kids that are listening just you know working on what you like and then your repetition will always make it so you can master it and then when you add a little creativity to it it becomes your own and no one can take
1: it yeah you mentioned the kids i know i know you train kids now what's your approach to uh training the youth that might be a little bit different from everybody else
2: being that as you spoke of the youth being uh a lot more athletic um, people, people have that argument obviously it's a definite argument the the players are changing taller faster stronger i what i try to do is enhance the child's ability to learn first cuz if you can learn then you can become the trainer you don't really need me you just as long as you know it and you can manif- manifest what you want from the game and that's like the effort the effort stuff you can't teach that you can't teach a kid how to hustle but you can teach him you know little things about his movements and 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 so on and so forth. So I, I love working with the youth because, you know, I get the opportunity to give them some things that I'm learning even today. And, you know, I like to – all my training and all my my uh, camps and clinics, they're really intense. So when the kids leave, it's not like we're, we don't have cones out. I'm the cone. So you're going to have to do everything I'm showing you. You're going to have to do it on me. And if it doesn't work, then we'll go back to the drawing board and figure it out. But that, that process is why the kids um, – <clears throat> I would say they, when they do, you know, into my training, they leave with something that they will never,
1: you know, lose. Right. You said you're still learning. You feel like your handle's still getting better. My handle is cheating
2: right now, my guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cheating. <laughs> cheating? How so?
2: It's just I've, I've changed. I've changed. You know, my hesitation moves and my combos into. You know, I just made it more efficient for the pro game. So high pick and roll, come off the screen, blend that man up real crazy, jump shot right speak so i'm more of a, i'm more i'm more weaponized now
1: got you speaking of the pro game man at at 37 uh tmz reported that you felt like you would be a good addition to an nba team as like a six man what are your thoughts on that now uh tmz
2: reports a lot of things that i didn't say okay. but <laughs> i i said uh to quote what i i believe i said um i believe i could help any roster especially with uh, being a guard that penetrates and drive and kick. If I was to come in as a uh, backup point guard for a team, let's say like the Rockets, where they, once they, you know, James and those guys come out, Chris and those guys take over, but they, every team needs a guy who can create his own shot. And there, there's absolutely no chance anybody staying in front of me. So. I feel like if I if I was able to do that, it would definitely benefit the team. Yeah,
1: you're still able to play at such a high level and um you've been playing for a long time. Have you um changed your health and your diet to be able to stay at a high level for so long? Uh
2: yeah, actually yeah. I had to get a lot lighter to, to continue to play. Obviously as you get older. Um I'll be um I'll be thirty nine this year. So a lot of things that I used to do. And the way I wanted to play wouldn't happen if the body's too heavy. So I believe that, you know, it was necessary for me to change my diet. And obviously changing your diet, you know, increases other things. And my speed has increased. And then me every day, I try to, you know, I read a lot of religious things because I'm working on being a pastor. And what I try to do to make sure I control my body is to control my mind first. So when I wake up in the morning, uh, it doesn't have to be Ramadan for me to be fasting. I do it just from just for for discipline purposes. That way, if I need to encourage my body to do something, it's done already on autopilot.
1: Yeah, you speak of fasting. Um, you do it for religious reasons. Have you found any benefits in terms of performance and how you feel on the day to day?
2: For performance, when you're fasting, is it's a little tougher because you you don't have any substance. Me right. personally, it's hard. I mean, it'll be hard to compete on the highest level. But people do it, and I think it can be done. I, I believe Ennis Cantor was fasting during the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, I, I you know, for, for me, I would say it's, it's one of those things that you kind of got to play by ear, depending on your body.
1: Yeah, one thing I noticed about you, you know, when you were in the New York circuit, you know, playing in you know, all the, the street ball games, you seem real serious. I don't know. You seem to be laughing, having more fun now. Has your hmm. mentality shifted in terms of just approaching the game?
2: Well, Back then, I was, you know, playing in tournaments where I had to, uh, you know, play against guys on a high level and compete. And right now, my primary job is to train professional athletes. So, I have the time of my life training, working with James Harden and whoever I get to train with. And and then, you know, on for my joy, the joy that I get from it is back then I had to play in so many tournaments. I had to be prepared, so I had to get my mind wrapped around what I was doing. Now I get to go and entertain the kids and have fun with them. So, of course, I'm going to be laughing and smiling. And plus, you know, the kids like to nowadays breaking ankles has been popularized. I I would say I had something to do with that a little bit, but they're they love it. So they'll literally go out of their way to, you know, they'll come down from all boroughs and all countries to try to take the ball from me one time. So it's almost like. I, I, I live for them. I live for those moments. I, I, need, to, I need to enjoy those moments because without that, you know, what's the point? You know, they, the kids are what drive you. When I was young, Michael Jordan was my favorite player. And when he used to do videos and commercials, he was always with kids. Michael Jackson was one of my favorite artists. And throughout all the scrutiny, he still loved children. Right. You know? So I believe that you have to give kids you know, that opportunity to experience the joy with you. And I'm gonna
1: Michael Jackson, man, crazy footwork! Imagine you got to help him with his handle.
2: I think Michael Jackson was a hooper, being the highest foot with his feet and his hips move.
1: Yeah, I could see it for sure, for sure. Um, how do you feel you benefited from social media? Because back in the day when you were playing in rocker, it, it was more word of mouth, you know. But now I feel like social media could help people with with with, with such talent get to a global level. So, uh-huh. how have you benefited from uh, social media? Uh,
2: I've been. A- Fitted tremendously from social media with the good help of my uh, one of my best friends, uh, Professor. He, right. he showed me different ways that I can take advantage of uh, social media. And, you know, it's a hard thing to do. But I've, over the years, I just, you know, put the time and effort into my videos and obviously the, the hours of playing and so on and so forth. And then I've worked on different aspects of being uh, editing and, and so on and so forth. And social media has propelled and made it easier for me to connect with people who would have never seen me play before. And so I believe it's a, a huge platform. The only downfall is, I believe, sometimes you can give the wrong person the the the, the platform. The platforms can be given to the wrong people. So I think that as long as people are responsible with their platforms, social media is actually not going to go anywhere. So, you know, people will be able to help, help out a lot more than
1: they are. Right. You benefited from social media because you were putting in the work way before social media even happened. I mean, I used to go by Dykeman. I'm not even talking about the tournament. Like you yeah. we were just there for hours, just playing and hooping. Yeah. hooping, Just just regular run, not even in the tournament. Yeah. Those are the days, man. <laughs> and you know what? That's that was the, the I believe influence
2: is. So I don't believe in you know, I don't believe that the, the amount of followers you have on any any platform determines who you are. But, you know, your influence can definitely be felt. And back though, back in those days, you didn't have – you couldn't go on IG and post a clip of somebody playing against – you know, you couldn't see Bone Collector versus Skip on an IG photo or anything. So you had to hear about it. And then when you heard about it, that story traveled from, from you know, from Manhattan all the way to Queens. And by the time you heard about it, you already at another game. And the game you're at, you're watching – you know, who who knows? It could be anybody. I'll be right back versus Bone Collector. Now that's a whole nother story to tell. And and so on and so forth. And they keep going and going. Because when I got there, I was hearing stories in games I never seen. You know, Vince I heard Vince Carter just caught a windmill in Gauchos and went and then they showed the video on and one it was bananas. Like, you know, those those are the things that when it comes to influence, I think that before social media uh influence was you know already being predicated and i'm glad
1: to be a part of it yeah that i actually remember that video man was that the game that adrian walton went off i think that was yep. the game right mm, yeah a whole lot man. of game
2: went, went nuts
1: for sure so you built man you built this awesome brand um outside the obvious of, of benefiting from your brand what what do you felt like you learned about life from from building a brand
2: um <clears throat> From I just, you know, in those aspects, building a brand, I learned that you need to be patient. And, um, you know, a lot of things that you want to do business-wise, you know, require sacrifice. And there, there's certain things that you can get away with when you're doing small business, let alone, you know, and, and you can't get in those situations when you're doing big business. It's just it's opportunities come around, so on and so forth, that you need to be prepared for. There's always, for the kids out there, there are young entrepreneurs the team is always stronger than the individual always remember that
1: right we see that with the warriors right
2: oh man any any sport yeah
1: Yeah.
2: um and then in life you know every remember everything is going to be all right you know god is always looking over your shoulder so things are always you know i don't i don't like the feeling of being everything in life feels like it's late you know because we have time But if you, you know, if you just look at it realistically, it's never the same time anywhere. So everything will be fine. Relax in your situation and embrace what you love and make sure that no one loves what you do more than you do. And I would think that that would be some good ideas for anyone trying to build a business
1: and and so on and so forth. So, yeah, man, you built this awesome brand. I know you're going to continue to play. I mean, you're in great shape. You're hooping. But what do you feel like the next phase is for you?
2: Um, the next phase for me will just be getting into uh, this getting really deep into studying these NBA trainers because I really want to be to be beneficial to these players and get them in a you know I know I have a lot of moves that I can teach them but you know I don't want to be unrealistic about what I can show them so I need to learn everything about the pro game and I'll start with that for the next few years and then right after that, you know in my plans is I'm, I will be playing, Uh, uh, either i'll probably go overseas or go try to D league or something a couple years from now even though i'll be over 40 but i'm gonna do it just because i never got a chance to play college or anything so i figured give it one shot to you know just play hard anywhere I just go play a but i'm gonna play four years somewhere and then i'll call it a quits and then i'll go um, back to breaking ankles again
1: you ever thought about the big three
2: yeah, I get, I get some emails about that all the time. That's another option. It, it, whatever option's available, I'm, I'm always going to be ready for it.
1: Most definitely, man. Bone Collector, appreciate you being here. You're always welcome back on the show. It was good bumping into you, uh, you too, bro. last week. And uh, hopefully we could hoop soon.
2: Yes, I'm in L.A., man. Whenever you're free, let me know. I'll get some guys and we'll round them up.
1: Definitely, bro. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. Of course. God bless you, guys. You too.
0: There it is. Episode 69. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shouts to the Bone Collector for joining in. We appreciate you. And shouts to everyone listening to Combo's Court. The continued support has been nothing short of amazing. It would mean the world to me if you left a 5-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout for Episode 70. Combo out.